2: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that swears he saw Abraham Lincoln driving a Lincoln. He is the captain.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend.
2: Tonight we are drinking Bone Hook Pilsner from beautiful Naples, Florida. Garage grade, three and a half bottle caps out of five. Bone Hook Pilsner is just what you would expect from any great Pilsner. It's light and it's smooth, and for me, just the right amount of dry. Last year, a lot of great craft breweries have gone on to put out some truly great pilsners, and this is one of them. And today's round of beers was brought to us by. First up, we have Philip in Schaumburg, Illinois.
1: And a big shout out to Emily in Nashville, Tennessee.
2: Next, going out west, we have Liz in Bothell, Washington. And also in Washington, we have Catherine, who is in Bellingham.
1: A Big Hey Jude to Jude in Sandpoint, Idaho.
2: And a cheers goes out to Suzanne and Jared in Pittsburgh. And last but certainly not least, we have a shout-out to Big Al on the Parts Unknown Citizen Patrol.
1: All right, thanks for donating to the Beer Fund. If you'd like to do so, go to truecrimegarage.com. And click on the donate banner
2: and a cheers goes to you, my friend captain. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. On June 28, 2015, Dr. Teresa Sievers flew home from Connecticut to her home in Florida without her husband, Mark, and their two daughters. The following morning on June 29th, she was found brutally murdered, bludgeoned to death inside her home. Now, on July 6th, just a little over a week into the investigation of the death of Teresa Sievers, There is finally a little bit of good news, at least for those in the area of the Seavers home. This is when Sheriff Mike Scott told a local reporter, quote, I am like you or anyone else. I want a killer behind bars. We are working tirelessly. Scott said all hands are on deck here. Literally, he went on to say it's a very complicated case. There are details I wish I could share, but I cannot. Mm -hmm. I take a little bit of comfort knowing it's not random or arbitrary, Scott said, of the murder. He says his investigators have processed hundreds of pieces of evidence from inside the home and elsewhere, including from cell phone and computer records from the home and from the office. He also said that he believes everything that they have in this case, and he states it's a lot. Mm -hmm. gives him comfort in saying that this is not a random murder. This is not arbitrary. There are connections that will continue to develop. When asked about whether people should be concerned about a killer still on the streets, he said this, "The, the good news with homicide is generally speaking, random murder is not the case. Generally speaking, there are connections I think that's the case that will play out here as well.
1: Two months after the murders take place, the arrest will be made.
2: Yes, these are some new suspects that we've not even spoken about yet, Captain. And this was taken from the Florida Today newspaper from August 27, 2015. The mm-hmm. headline, the Lee County Sheriff's Office announced an arrest in the murder of a well-known Astero doctor. During a press conference, Lee County Sheriff Mike Scott said they apprehended Jimmy Rogers for the killing of Dr. Teresa Seavers, who was found dead in her Bonita Springs home in late June. Mm -hmm. Details were not provided on the arrest or how investigators made the connection between Seavers and Rogers. Scott declined to take any questions. A spokesman for the sheriff's office could not provide an exact spelling Of the arrest man's name, the sheriff's office issued an arrest warrant for Rogers on a charge of second degree murder. According to a federal arrest warrant, Lee detective Mike Downs contacted a federal probation agent Monday that Rogers was in the Walmart on six mile Cypress Parkway the day before the murder, which is a violation of Jimmy Rogers probation. Seavers was killed nearly two months ago on June 29th. Scott called Seavers case very much an ongoing and active investigation and said the homicide is a most complicated set of circumstances. Scott said the FBI and the state attorney's office are involved in the case. Now, one thing that I there's several shockers here in my opinion, that are not included in the Florida Today article that we just read. First, Jimmy Rogers is and was living in Jefferson County, Missouri, both at the time of Teresa Seaver's death when she was killed and months later when he is later arrested.
1: Which is what, roughly?
2: Uh, 1,100 miles or so away. The other thing, too, that we've already brought up, nobody knows... We've not spoke about this guy, but that's because nobody knows who this guy is. Mm -hmm. Not Teresa's family, not the people at her office, not the neighbors that were so concerned that a madman was on the loose. Then later that day, another bombshell. There's a second arrest is made, and this is Curtis Wainwright was arrested. He, too, in Jefferson County, Missouri. But there's there's one big difference here with Curtis Wainwright. A, A lot of people know who Curtis Wainwright is, right?
1: Yeah, but the the weird thing is when they show his picture, like, you know, you're reading an article normally and there's some picture that goes with the article. Yeah. Like most people stop reading the article because this guy looks exactly, exactly like Mark sievers
2: Yeah. So does to, to describe Mark Seavers for you would be the same way of describing Curtis Wainwright. He's there. There are, Men who shave their heads, right. they have glasses, and it appears to be damn near identical glasses, uh, prescription glasses that they wear, and they both have goatees. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, they, they and they have a like similar twins. build too. Yeah, yeah, I've heard people say that they 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 look like twins. But the the crazy thing to me is, and we should, Curtis Wainwright, he goes by Wayne, so just to you know smooth it out a little bit, we'll call him Wainwright from this so, point on. So we
1: have Jimmy and Wayne, Jimmy
2: they're, Rogers and Wayne. Wright. Yes, And they're
1: both arrested in Missouri.
2: Correct. Nobody,
1: 1100 nope. miles away. The difference between Jimmy and Wayne is that Wayne is best friends with Mark Seavers.
2: Yes. He's, he's not only best friends with Mark Seavers. He also works for, uh, loosely works for Teresa and Mark Seavers as well. He's, a. Uh, computer it guy you went to college for a computer and he he was the guy that set up the computers at the dr treese's office Mm -hmm. and he would he monitored them he would um (laughs) i love when we talk about computers because i just i don't have any words no words come out
1: right but it's because you know the subject so well that it's hard for you to explain it to the to, layman, to yeah. us, you know, mere to the layperson, yeah, mortals.
2: But, mm-hmm. but yeah, if the computer system went down, he would fix it. He he made sure that the computers kept up and running at the doctor's office. Mm. Okay. The two are also uh, not just best friends, but they've been best friends since the, almost their childhood. Right. You know. So even Mark Seaver's family is where, well aware of Wayne Wright now. What's the connection? How do you connect these two guys from Missouri to the death of Teresa Seavers?
1: Well, we have them both on camera at a Walmart. That's less than six miles away mm-hmm. the day before or the day of
2: it would. Well,
1: would it have been the Sunday.
2: It would be. Yeah. On Sunday, the 28th now. So in building the case, and I'm a little unclear as to how exactly the police got to Jimmy Rogers and Wayne Wright. One thing I found, but I could not verify this to be 100% accurate, so take this for what you will. It, it sounds to me like these two jokers, well, they talked a lot. They talked a lot about going to Florida beforehand, mm-hmm. and they talked about having been to Florida when they got back. One of the two, I believe it was Rogers, even texted someone or had a phone call with someone while he was in Florida. Someone from his work had contacted him asking if he could come into work, but he says he can't because he's still in Florida. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, this is at a time that, that would have put the two in the state of Florida. Like the captain said, when Teresa Seavers was killed roughly. So I've seen it suggested, maybe even reported. Uh, I, I have it in my notes, but again, I cannot confirm the crazy thing about this case. Captain there, you know, there is a lot out there. And I know you thought of, thought this too. There's a lot of information on this case out there. There's a lot of good information too. Uh, so there was not a whole lot of time spent hunting for info on this case. There was just so much reading and uh, so much to consume and think about. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, the thing is, I want to remind you of what the lead detective on this case said. And I think he is exactly right when he, describe this case as a most complicated set of circumstances because it truly is.
1: Right. But this part of the case isn't that complicated. We have two individuals that traveled over 1100 miles. We have them within a 10 mile radius of the murder taking place. We now have one of the vic- or one of the suspects. Wayne has a direct connection with the murdered victim mm-hmm. worked for her, was best friends with her husband and we have uh probably evidence at the scene uh fingerprints and things of that nature we also have a list of what they bought at the walmart we have phone records we have text records that they were in florida we have jimmy talking with his girlfriend Mm -hmm. at the time about being in florida and we also have the murder weapon that was right by
2: the victim. Well, okay. So let's get into this a little bit. And I, and I'm trying to piece together how they got to these two individuals. I think that it's possible that they may have been contacted by somebody that knew one of them, either Jimmy Rogers or Wayne, Wright. As I stated, they were telling people that they were going to Florida. They were telling people that they had just been to Florida, right? So, by now we have both of these douche canoes in jail. Both have had their trailer homes raided at this point. The police even got information from Jimmy Rogers' girlfriend. That's right. One of the suspects, his his girlfriend confesses to deputies that she knows exactly what happened. This is Taylor Shoemaker. Rogers' girlfriend tells detectives about his trip to Florida. Taylor is going to relay a story to the police, but... We have to keep in mind here that she has already been questioned by police before she gets into this this questioning room here. Mm -hmm. She was questioned by police. This was in front of Jimmy Rogers. So later, the two of them, Jimmy Rogers and Taylor Shoemaker, are having a conversation. She's going to relay this conversation to police. She said during this conversation, she said, quote, he, referring to Rogers, started asking me, Like, what do I know about it? I'm like, well, I know you went down there to kill somebody. And then he said, yeah. She goes on stating, I asked him what he went down there for. And he said to make money. And then I asked him, how does he make money? He said, murdering Mark's wife. Then Shoemaker recounts how Rogers then laughed when explaining how he had killed Teresa. Taylor told the police, quote, I said, did you shoot her? And he said, no. And I said, then how did you kill her? Then he made this stupid little chuckle that he does. And then he said, with a hammer. She also told detectives that Teresa's own husband, Mark Severs, hired Wayne Wright to kill his wife. She says suspect Curtis Wayne Wright then hired Jimmy to help out. to help out without Mark's knowledge. Taylor told police the hammer. Well, that was his weapon of choice because quote, everybody calls him Jimmy the hammer. All of his friends back home. (sighs) Yeah, but
1: nobody calls him the hammer.
2: He calls himself the hammer
1: like on his Facebook or his MySpace or something. He was Jimmy the hammer Rogers. Right. Okay. But he, he made it up himself. And and it was like one of those names that would be like your you know, your friend coming hanging out on the garage saying, Hey, call me the hammer and everybody else is like, <laughs> Yeah, we're not doing that. We're not doing that shit. But yeah. And then he then Jimmy goes on to say that I believe that Wayne tried to hit uh Teresa first and then he ended up taking the hammer from um Wayne and and doing it himself.
2: Yeah, so Taylor Shoemaker, she says that when the police were questioning her and, and Rogers together, that that's when she knew something bad had happened when he went to Florida.
1: But she, she also like threw out some items, some gloves and like a shirt from the, yeah, their truck.
2: Yeah, and that actually happened after the police spoke with the two of them. Now, when they spoke with the two of them, it was a very loose kind of casual interaction. It wasn't like they brought them in for questioning and separated them and did all that jazz. No, this was mm. just they went to a place where they both were It could have been one of their homes or their home that they were sharing. I don't know, but they they just kind of sat down and asked where you were. What were you doing these things?
1: Here, here's how, how I handle that questioning right? interrogation, right? You be you be Jimmy. Okay, okay. I go Jimmy
2: Rogers. Yes, sir. Can I call you the hammer? That's what everybody calls me.
1: And then I just call him hammer the whole time. That's that's how that would work.
2: What happens is after they get this kind of casual interaction with the police, that's when Jimmy Rogers gets in the car with his girlfriend and says, you know, they drive out into the country. And I think it was near either his parent, his mother's home or her mother's home. I'm Mm -hmm. a bit uncertain of this, but.
0: They're, they're driving out some peaches
2: they're driving out on uh, some country road and he's instructing her to throw some items out of the the vehicle right these end up being clothing items which she does later lead the police to these items and and they're all recovered exactly where she said they would be recovered from
1: yeah and so it's kind of weird cuz you when you watch the not the interrogation but the questioning with her you do feel bad for her cuz sometimes the police are like, "Well, why did you do that?" She's like, "Well, I'm I'm riding in a truck with somebody that I think just murdered somebody he didn't even know with a hammer."
2: She was afraid of him. Very of obviously afraid of him and um she probably was You know, it's to me when when I hear her speak and I read her words, Mm -hmm. it's like when when the police showed up to ask some questions kind of randomly, this would have been out of the blue to her. You know what I mean? This would not be something she was expecting. It was like a light went off for her during that kind of questioning. Like, holy crap, this guy has done something. Right.
1: But mind you, he broke his probation going to Florida anyways. So we know that he was convicted. something before he was in jail that's how jimmy and wayne met each other Mm -hmm. was in jail so when she's dating him you know she probably was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt he was went to prison maybe he's changed
2: you know everybody in there is innocent right
1: well right but what i'm saying is no i'm sure there's a couple that are like "Ah, i did it whatever (laughs) uh
2: (laughs) joseph metheny yeah (laughs) yeah I I did it, and I did I cook, a lot of other stuff.
1: I cooked cooked them up and put them in hamburgers. My point is, is that she's dating this guy. She's probably trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that he, you know, made some mistakes, and now he's trying to change his life. But once this starts coming out, you're going, well, he he didn't change his life, mm. and now you'd be scared.
2: You know what? And here's this is a little off the subject here, Captain. But one thing that I I cannot stand. And I know he's he's a bad dude, so it's easy not to like him, mm-hmm. Jimmy Rogers. Dick knows, but I cannot stand people that give themselves their own nickname. Look, what?
1: <laughs> Thanks a lot. Well, <laughs> I did it for I did I did it to protect my I reputation. Forgot, I
2: forgot I was speaking with a person like that. I was
1: trying to teach kids. You okay? gave
2: yourself an alias. That's right. different. You gave yourself an alias. Let me tell you about mm. this. There's one guy I used to work with. The first time I worked with him, the first day he goes. Uh, you can call me cricket. And I said, okay. He tells informs me, everybody calls him cricket. And I said, okay, well, what's the significance? How did you get that nickname? <laughs> he, he says back when I was in high school, there was a kid that used to sit next to me in class and mm-hmm. all the kids called him cricket. And I really liked that. So I gave oh. myself that nickname right after I graduated high school. Very <laughs> awesome. Okay,
1: so very creative.
2: Let me tell you, here's one thing I think we should do, Captain, because Mm -hmm. we're able to piece together a very good uh, timeline regarding what we we know happened, because this is what the police can later prove happened during this whole circumstances. And I think the waters might be a little murky at this point, so I think we should go through this clear-cut timeline Mm -hmm. to lay out what happened, because there's other suspicions involved here. We have this Taylor Shoemaker stating that, Jimmy was hired by Wayne, who was hired by Mark Seavers. Right. Well, Wayne and Jimmy are arrested. Mark Seavers is not arrested. He's still living at his home with his daughters and in some fashion still running the, the yeah, doctor's ma- office.
1: Right. But mind you, this is pure speculation because this is just what Jimmy told her. And we, we don't know. But what we do have is we have Jimmy and Wayne now in the custody of law enforcement.
2: So it, uh, uh, it took a lot to get here, but what really happened? What can the police tell us that happened and what are they going to try to prove? So this is a pretty comprehensive timeline. So if you're lost, this will fill you in. So if you don't pay any attention to anything else, we say pay attention here. Right? So in December of 2010, Curtis Wainwright was arrested from the discovery of meth- methamphetamine lab. He serves time and is later released while serving time he meets this guy named Jimmy Rogers. Mm-hmm. Rogers was a petty criminal for most of his life, but before you know before being arrested for a weapons charge, which was a much more serious charge. In September of 2014, Jimmy Rogers is released from federal prison. In May of 2015, Curtis Wainwright marries. He gets married, and at the and the wedding takes place in Missouri. Now, this is important not only because it's shocking that anyone would marry Wainwright, but some have speculated that this is where some of the planning for the eventual murder might have happened, mm-hmm. because at Wainwright's wedding, Mark Seavers, he was he the best man at this wedding, Captain. He I was believe so. he was in the the grooms, you know, is at least a groomsman.
1: So Mark's there. He's at Wayne's. Wedding, but so is Jimmy.
2: Jimmy Rogers is a guest at this wedding. The hammer. Now it's uncertain. It's not clear if the two actually met or interacted during this time, but it puts all three of these, these guys in the same place at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's my understanding that Teresa Seavers, Mark's wife was not present at this wedding. Then that takes us to June 26th. This is just two days before the attack. June 26, 2015. Jimmy Rogers worked from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. And then he was scheduled to be off until June 30th. So a short time after leaving work.
1: Which he was telling everybody at work he was going down to help his cousin with something in Florida.
2: It's weird because he, he had told multiple different stories uh, about why he was going to Florida and mm-hmm. it's almost like he's bragging about this trip you, you'd you mentioned the thing about the cousin he also said something about um, uh, he was going down there to work a job that was going to pay him quite a bit of money right. then there's this thing about visiting somebody and it was an all expenses paid trip so yeah he he had a few things that he threw out there to people
1: yeah Captain Dick knows yeah
2: So sometime after leaving work on that day, on the 26th, he meets up with Wainwright and the two of them depart for, Oh, here's another story.
1: They rent a car,
2: right? But they depart for what he told. Jimmy Rogers told his girlfriend would be a $10,000 weekend job. Mm -hmm. He doesn't tell him, tell her what the job is. So as you stated, Wainwright rented a vehicle in his hometown, the vehicle, was complete with a GPS system. Now, police were later able to determine that the vehicle rented by Wainwright on the weekend. Teresa Seavers was killed that somebody had typed Teresa Seavers address into, uh, into that GPS system, routing out a map to her murder. Ha got Got him.
1: Yeah. So if that's not enough evidence, so then they get down to Florida Mm Mm-hmm. And they get down there on a Sunday. And I believe they arrive at their destination, the Seavers house. Mm-hmm. And then guess what they type into their GPS? Some coordinates to the local Walmart.
2: Well, I, I, there's some stuff I want to get into before we go, go to that.
1: All right, let's get into that right after this quick beer break.
2: while your subscription is active
1: All right, we're back. You rowdy bastards.
2: And we were just talking about Wayne Wright and Jimmy Rogers renting a vehicle And then according to the GPS, making their way to Florida just two days before Teresa Severs was killed. Now, this is the thing I wanted to bring up, Captain, was this. And this is where I think things can get a little scary or at least weird for reasons that we will explain later. But on the on the morning of Sunday, June 28th. Mm -hmm. The Seavers' home security system, their home alarm system, is deactivated at 6.09 a.m. Okay, now the reason why this is strange is because Bonnie Seavers, Mark Seavers' mother, she's not coming over to the house until after 8 o'clock to take care of the dogs.
1: Right, so we could assume this is Wayne and Jimmy deactivating the alarm.
2: Yeah, they, they go to the Seavers' home... They have no trouble getting into the home and then they deactivate the alarm.
1: Right. But now if Wayne is their IT guy for computers and phones and stuff like that, he might be their IT guy for their alarm system as well. He might know the code.
2: He could have set up the alarm system. He could have mm-hmm. even installed the uh, garage door opener that you punch the code into to open up the garage. Possible. This yep. would put him in, give him access to the home without even having a key to the front door. So after the Seavers home alarm system is deactivated at 6.09 a.m. on June 28th, then later we have Wayne Wright and Jimmy Rogers. They're spotted at a Walmart on six mile Cypress Parkway in Fort Myers, Florida. Mm-hmm. This is roughly about 20 miles from Teresa Seavers home.
1: Yeah, they're they're actually on video footage.
2: Yeah, you see them standing together. Mm-hmm. and while they're there, they're going to pick up some items, and one of those items is going to be a hammer. They
1: hammer, al- rubber boots.
2: They also purchased some trash bags and a lock pit uh, lock pick set. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically amongst,
1: a murder kit.
2: Yeah, they they did purchase some other items while they were there, but those are the ones that stand out. Mm-hmm. Well, at approximately 8, 10 a.m. that morning, the Seaver's home security alarm system is now reactivated. Now during the day, Mark Seavers speaks to his mother, telling her to, telling her to leave the home alarm system off mm-hmm. because remember she tells Mark when they have their conversation. Look, I'm having some trouble with the alarm system.
1: Right, and that's because it was already because uh, it was already shut off by Wayne and Jimmy.
2: Yeah, so you know most of these alarm systems, you either you type in the code and you hit press one to turn it on or two to turn it off.
1: One, well, let's just assume that um, Mark's mother didn't go to school for computer, and so she's going up to alarm system, right? Mm-hmm. If alarm system is on, I put in my code, boop, beep 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 beep, right, and then right. it goes alarm off. But if the alarm is off, and I go up to it and go, let me put in my code, beep 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 beep, beep. doesn't do anything. So when it didn't do anything, she probably thought. What the hell am I doing wrong?
2: Or there's a chance that she turned it on. My, here's, what I, here's what I think happened. Because the words that the police use are deactivated and reactivated.
1: Okay, so, so she turned it back on yeah, by putting it in the code.
2: Yeah, so what would have happened in that circumstance, Captain, is that w- sh- when she left the day before, mm-hmm. after leaving the house, she turned on the alarm. Then somebody showed up unbeknownst to her at the home and deactivated the alarm before she returned
1: jimmy and wayne
2: yeah so when she returns to the house she thinks she's turning off the alarm when in fact she's turning it back on Mm -hmm. and so therefore probably uh when when she would go to leave you know there's she's said they've hijacked the the system that's supposed to be running it's supposed to be on when she returns however it's not so I didn't do a great job of explaining that, but I think you get what we're going with that. Mm-hmm. So his he tells his mom, look, if you're having trouble with the alarm, don't bother with it, because after you let the dogs out later today, my wife, Teresa, she's coming home that night. So it's not like the house is not going to be monitored for very long before she returns.
1: Right. Plus, there's two people sent to murder her.
2: Well, in this... At 4.13 p.m. on that Sunday, Bonnie Seavers leaves the home, the Seavers' home, for the final time, and as instructed, she does not turn on the alarm. Sometime after Bonnie leaves, Wayne Wright and Jimmy Rogers return to the Seavers' residence. They lay in wait there for Teresa to return. At 10 p.m., Dr. Teresa Seavers, her plane touches down in Southwest Florida International. She then calls Mark, her husband, to tell her, him that she arrived safely. At 10.55 p.m., Dr. Severs leaves the airport, driving the family's blue van, and goes directly to her house. Then she arrives at home alone. It was at 9 a.m. the following day that her office opens. She's late. They call Mark Severs, who then in, in calls the neighbor to go check on the house. Mm-hmm. And we all know what happens from there. Mm-hmm. Now, later that same day, Dr. Seaver's family, Mark and the two girls, they arrive back to Florida from C- Connecticut. It's the following day, on June 30th, that Jimmy Rogers is back in Missouri and he shares with his employer that he just made a 16 hour trip by highway to visit his recent law school graduate brother in Florida Mm -hmm. for an all expenses trip, uh, paid by his brother to visit him on that same day on the 30th is when that sign goes up on the doctor's office, informing all the patients that Dr. Severs, Severs has passed away. Her funeral was held on July 6th and it was on the 12th of July that a SWAT team raids Wayne Wright's trailer in Missouri. On August 24th, the Lee County Sheriff's Office, they contacted Jimmy Rogers' probation officer. This is when they reported that they knew that Rogers had been in Florida. Mm -hmm. A neighbor, well, actually several neighbors, told uh, newspapers that they had seen uh, Jimmy Rogers' trailer being raided by police. He's later arrested for violation of the probation itself, but it wasn't until the following day on the 27th, when Jimmy Ray Rogers and Curtis Wainwright are charged with murder, with the murder of Dr. Teresa Severs. Now, the strange thing here, captain is it wasn't until six months later when in late February of 2016, that Mark Severs is finally arrested at his home in Bonita Springs, Florida.
1: Right. And I, I think the thing is, you have to have some kind of connection. And when you have Mark Sievers, like we said earlier in part one, that, you know, he turned over his phone, mm-hmm. he turned over his uh, computer. Mm-hmm. He also has this airtight alibi, multiple people. He's 1,300 miles away. You know, so the only thing here is that he didn't murder his wife, right. but did he, based off of what Jimmy Rogers is saying, did he set it up where he was going to pay Wayne? And then the other question here is one of the things that is said about Wayne and Mark's relationship was that Wayne really looked up to Mark and that almost mimicked him when Mark shaved his head because he was going bald. Wayne did the same thing. Right. And a lot of their friends in high school said these guys were super close but back in the day, they didn't look like twins. Almost like one person is um, mimicking the other. And you got one guy living in this trailer and another guy married to a successful woman running a successful practice where they're paying you to do IT work and phone work. You know, So your friend is married, to has a lot of money, lives in a big, nice house. You start wondering... Is Mark involved in some way? Or is this some plan that Wayne came up with all on his own?
2: Well, we should also throw out there, too, that, that they have the appearance that they have a lot of money. It actually right. looks like once you get beneath the surface that they they probably didn't have a lot of money, that the finances were being mishandled somehow.
1: Well, yeah, they were making a lot of money. They were spending I mean, a lot of money. I mean, I tell the story all the time. I used to have this... this Stupid ass dick face. I mean he was just the worst human in the world. I think he drove like a Porsche or something. The guy would come in all smug and he like it's like he sprayed his cologne ten times too many. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I remember one time he puts eight grand into the bank. So he put the eight grand at the bank, but he was like negative seven grand. Right? Right. So he comes in the next day and then there's more fees. So he, he puts in eight grand or whatever. He's now down to like $200. Mm-hmm. He's like, um, give me a thousand and one hundred. So I go, oh, you only got a hundred and some dollars left. You know, so my point is, is you know, and then of course he was pissed. He's like, dude, I gave you $8,000 yesterday. I was like, yeah, but you're in the you, negative. You owed us that money. Right, so, but my point is, is they were making a lot of money.
2: Yeah. She was a very successful doctor. The
1: problem there was they were spending more money than they made. And so, but still, it's that lifestyle. You still have nice cars. You still have a nice house. This is something. uh, And also, we have an open relationship and possible swinging Hmm. happening. Is it possible that, you know, he comes there, he drives 1,300 miles, he's hanging out with them one night, he's drinking with them, that he ends up having sex with her at some point. Is that possible? Possibly. Yeah. And so if that happens, is there some kind of jealousy thing on
2: that? Well, we should be clear about what you're, you're kind of doing a balancing act on offense here. And I think we should be clear about what you're getting to, because it, the reason why Mark Seavers is arrested is because Wainwright, His best friend that happens to look exactly like him. He, he tells the police, look, Mark Sievers paid me to kill his wife. Mark Sievers orchestrated this whole thing,
1: or was going to pay me, right?
2: Right, and so that they didn't arrest Mark Seavers until six months later because they really had nothing on him until one of these guys flipped on him. Now they
1: right, but what? W- and it, we need to be clear: it took w- Wayne six months to flip on him.
2: Yeah, because he was going to face the death penalty, right? Uh, and Florida is pretty good at, at killing people. So he probably got scared. Now, the, the, okay, so up until this point, we have Taylor Shoemaker, Jimmy Rogers' girlfriend, mm-hmm. that she can tell police all day and all night that, you know what, Mark sievers hired Wayne, and then Wayne hired Jimmy, and this is how this whole thing went down. The problem is they don't have any evidence to that. Now, when you have a guy that's facing murder charges, and the guy comes forward and he says, you know what, Instead of putting me on the death, giving me the death penalty, let's reduce this thing down to second degree murder.
1: I'll plead guilty.
2: I'll plead guilty. Mm-hmm. You give me 25 years and I'm going to testify for you against Mark Seavers. Then boom, you go arrest Mark Seavers. Now here's the big debate though. The the, the, the balancing act that the captain was doing here is this doesn't necessarily mean that Mark Seavers is absolutely 100% guilty. There's still some things that you have to analyze in this because you have in it. And here's the thing. When I went into this captain, I went into this looking at it like this Mark Seavers guy. He's guilty as can be. There's no changing my opinion. Now, Mm -hmm. where my opinion did change was. And yes, you could say that the people that I listened to were biased. However, the people that changed my opinion were listening to his family. This Mark Seavers family his mother, his his sister, and then listening to some of his friends that were not associated with Wainwright. These people paint a much brighter, better picture of Mark Seavers. And these people, this is what they're wondering. They're not saying, they're not saying 100% are Mark Seavers that we know and love is innocent. What they're saying is this, think about this idea that possibly Wayne Wright did this without Mark Seavers' knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then once he's caught, once he's busted, the only lifeline he has left to throw out to save his own ass is to throw Mark Seavers under the bus and be willing to testify against him in court.
1: Right, but okay, so what's the evidence against Mark? Let's get into that.
2: Yes, so the evidence against Mark, well... This you can take this or leave this as far as you want to go for evidence. But there were there was four over four million dollars worth of life insurance uh, plan to pay out upon Teresa Seaver's death.
1: Yeah, well, this is where it's interesting, though. It's four point some million, four
2: point four million dollars.
1: But there was like five policies.
2: There's a lot of policies. Yes.
1: Which is odd. So,
2: yeah, I would think so.
1: And and also when you're when you're behind on bills and you're constantly living paycheck to paycheck. Kind of a weird thing to pay out Mm -hmm. to have those five. And we know that Mark is kind of running that area. You know, She is running the practice, but he's running probably payroll. He's probably running their finances. He's kind of taking care of the kids while she's at work.
2: And there's been speculation, Captain, and I don't know if this is coming from the media or from the law enforcement, Mm -hmm. but there's been speculation that... Teresa Seavers may not have been aware of some of these policies Right. that maybe he took them out without her knowledge or forged documents. Here's the thing. I don't typically think life insurance is a red flag. That's usually not a red flag to me. I understand that it is motive at times, but, yeah, but. but what I mean by that is if somebody has a policy for 80,000 or hundred thousand dollars, I kind of look past that as a, as a red flag. When I see policies that are uh, for these large sums of money, Mm -hmm. four millions, four and a half million dollars, and I understand when you have a nice home and when you have children together that you should increase. She's
1: running a practice.
2: You should increase and carry larger amounts of insurance, but Mm -hmm. this seems like an extreme amount of insurance. This seems like a warranted red flag to me.
1: Yeah. And what else do we have against Mark?
2: Well, really, we only have the words of, of these, these other people that we know to be involved by their own admission uh, into the murder of his wife. Now, Jimmy Rogers, to be clear, has not told the police. He's not said, hey, I'm guilty and I'm willing to cooperate. Right. But we have his girlfriend that's fed them plenty of information that makes him look very guilty. The other thing, though, is there are some. Here's what I wondered that's going to come out in, in, in trial. There's been a lot of communication between Wainwright and Mark Sievers And what I mean by that, there's been more texting and communication between the two of them than even Mark and his own wife, Teresa. Mm-hmm. Now, just having a long-distance friendship could explain that away.
1: Yeah, but and, there's and, some weird stuff going on.
2: And right him there. being involved in the business could explain this away, but there is some weird interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you came across some things where it's where Mark is calling, referring to him as honey or baby when, when talking to Wayne, um, that's weird, which we, you know, he, we don't know. They could be joking around. I don't know. Those were found from text messages that were released to the public. However, they redacted a lot of the information within those text message. So there's, there's a lot of missing portions of those conversations. There's one thing that's incredibly interesting though. And that's that, Wainwright would say that a lot of the communication they did, a lot of the organizing and planning of this murder was done over a burner phone, mm-hmm. that they both had phones, untraceable phones.
1: Right. So this would be like a prepaid phone that you'd buy somewhere. Right?
2: Yep. And what what is stated during some of those text messages on their regular phones, on their day-to-day phones. Right. Is you have situations where Mark Seavers is talking to Wainwright and he's saying, hey, can you talk in 10 minutes? Or, hey, do you got 15 minutes to talk? And then he would use the word other in parentheses. Now, police and police using information given to them by Wainwright states that when they say other, Mark is saying, let's talk on these other phones, not have this conversation on our day-to-day, our everyday phones.
1: And that's probably not even a text message. That's probably like an actual just pick up and call. Um, So that is interesting. So we have those two pieces.
2: Here's some strange things that I think about, though, Captain. Uh, Okay, so.
1: I don't want to hear about the strange things you think about.
2: Well, in relation to this case. Okay. Let's narrow it down a little
1: bit. Let's focus
2: on this case. So, all right. There's a, there's a couple issues here. One, we know Mark would have had information that his wife would be returning from the vacation before and without the rest of the family. He could have passed that information along to Wayne. That's an easy scenario we can all wrap our heads around. Mm-hmm. The other scenario is this. If Mark is, if I'm sorry, if Wayne oversees their computers, even just at their office, even if it's not at their home, just their office, let's say, if office computers were used to purchase those plane tickets, mm-hmm. then Wayne would also know that information without Mark having told him that information.
1: Yeah, or if it's done through an email where like you get confirmations, you know, if you bought plane tickets, you get the confirmation through your email. So, so that's possible. But here, here's the other thing though, too, is, and it's not saying that Wayne wouldn't know this information, but obviously it was, The family is planning a trip and that she's going to come back early. Mm -hmm. And so what a perfect time to do
2: this right
1: now. What's weird is it's a perfect time. It's a perfect time for Wayne to do it. It's a perfect time for Mark to tell Wayne to do it. Mm -hmm. Jimmy and Wayne both were talking about this trip months in advance, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's a little more evidence leaning to the fact that Mark is paying them because he would have known about the trip way more in advance. You see what I'm saying?
2: Unless the tickets were purchased way in advance.
1: Right. But then that would be Wayne, for whatever reason, wants to kill her, which we don't know what the motive would be. Mm -hmm. And he is planning this months and months in advance because he hears about a trip. Mm hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you he wanted her dead that bad for whatever reason, like you I don't know. I just think it's kind of weird.
2: Okay, let me throw this at you because I, I've been I've been going back and forth on this quite a bit. Because my thought is I I want to try to hear out Mark Seaver's family and I want to try to understand what they're saying. Now they've not presented these ideas to anybody as far as I'm aware, but what I could come up with was this. The only problem I have with Mark Seavers being involved in this mm-hmm. is his mother, Bonnie Seavers. That throws that throws a wrench into the plan a little bit. You have Bonnie Seavers coming and going at times that she determines to let these dogs out and to check on the house. Mm. Now, Wainwright and Jimmy Rogers, we know this because the, the alarm system was deactivated at 6 in the morning. Teresa Seavers didn't arrive at home until 11 p.m. or 11.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. So they were there for for like, what, 16, 18 hours before Teresa returns to the home. And I know they spent a lot of that time outside of the home. They went to Walmart and they went to the beach and they killed time waiting for Teresa to return at 11, 11.30 at night. The wrench in the problem is... They they. were they, there's a chance that they were within a 60-minute window of bumping into Bonnie Seavers.
1: Yeah, but they would have known. They would have known this stuff. Again, this points towards Mark, too. They would have known her actions and whereabouts based off of Mark. They wouldn't know that if Mark's not involved. So they wouldn't have known when they could have gotten to the house and when they couldn't have gotten to the house that she came once in the morning and once at night And isn't it just so weirdly that, uh, that they're there the whole time that she's there twice, right? Right. Or maybe she's only there once on that Sunday, but she never runs into him. And then the murder doesn't take place until probably after mid midnight.
2: Right. So no, but what I'm, what I'm saying though, is that that's a loose end for Mark Seavers. If Mark knows that Mark knows everything, let's assume he knows everything that's going on that he orchestrated this whole thing. The loose end is his mother checking on the dogs. She, you can tell your mother show up at 8am and let them out and then come back at 4pm and let them out. Once you leave for Connecticut, you have no control over what time that woman decides to show up to let the dogs in and out of the house.
1: Right? Well, all I'm saying is it's pretty easy. If she was only supposed to go there once on Sunday, it's this simple. You text her in the morning. Hey, what time do you think you're going to go over there? right? Mm -hmm. Or, Hey, we know, or you're talking to her while you're on vacation. And she's like, uh, you know, maybe, you know, your mom's a creature of habit. If she says she's going over there at eight o'clock, it's going to be between eight and nine, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Uh, All I'm saying is it's a very small wrinkle to deal with. And
2: well, it may not even be a wrinkle to deal with. And here's what I mean by this. I think it's a big loose end. I think it's a big problem because, if for some reason you you're sending people that you have paid to kill a woman. So by by them signing up for the job, they're stating they're very capable of killing somebody in cold blood. Right. How do you know they're not going to freak out if they bump into your mother at the house and kill her? OK, so that is because, a listen, listen,
1: listen. It's not that big of a deal because they're best friends. Guess who would know who his mom is? Wayne would know who Mark's mom is. She comes into the house. He wouldn't go, oh, my God, I thought it was Teresa, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. He would know. And then if, if Wayne was in the house and he bumped into Mark's mom, hey, what are you doing here? You don't have to kill her. You just have to say, I'm working on the security system.
2: No, I get that. I get that. But. That's out of Mark's hands. Once he leaves for Connecticut, all that stuff's out of his hands. He can't control his mother's movements coming and going from the home. He can't control Wayne and Jimmy's movements coming and going from the home. Now,
1: it's also reported, though, that Wayne is a very intelligent man. And so maybe Mark had a little more faith in him that, hey, if I'm paying him to kill the wife, he's going to kill the wife and that's it. I don't think it's that big of a deal.
2: I disagree. I disagree. All right. So
1: whether or not that is actual deal or not, the thing that you can't, it's I'm having a hard time explaining is the text messages where it says other talk on other Mm -hmm. to me, that is fishy. And if Mark can't explain that
2: away, The, the thing here is you either have two very dumb guys committing this murder or you have, Three dumb guys, one who hired two dumb guys to carry out the murder because they made as as far away as they came from mm-hmm. Wainwright and Jimmy Rogers made it very easy for the police to catch them. There should have been very little to connect these two to to Bonita Springs, Florida.
1: Right. I mean, you don't put it into GPS.
2: You don't put it in a GPS. You don't rent a vehicle in your name. You figure out how to get there without doing things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. You don't go to a Walmart so you can be seen on video footage.
2: Yeah, but here's the biggest thing that that even even a disorganized, mentally ill killer has avoided in the past. Mm-hmm. When you beat somebody to death with a hammer, don't leave that hammer at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. That presents a very big, because remember earlier, you
1: know, know there's some psychopath right now in their basement listening to us writing down, don't leave hammer.
2: Well, okay. So earlier when we talked about how did the police track these guys down, we know, look, they didn't arrest them until, until late August. They were already on these dudes. You can tell by Sheriff Scott's words when he's talking to the reporter, they were already into this story into the story somehow back 10 days after the murder when he says, you know what, this was not a random thing Mm -hmm. I'm very confident when I say that there are connections to the victim from the murderer in this case, I'm very confident when I state that. And I wonder if it was something as simple as this, did they trace that hammer? We know they found the hammer. Mm -hmm. How hard is it to go? You know what, who distributes this hammer? Who do they distribute it to? okay, I understand that there's like a million thousand Walmart stores and maybe every single one of them carries this particular make and model of hammer. I get that there's a lot of them out there, that it could be a very common hammer. However, there's a chance that when they go, how hard is it to go, look, this thing, this hammer is distributed to Walmarts. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got five or six of them that are within a 30-mile radius of the crime scene. Oh, there was one purchased at this Walmart on this day at this particular time. It was a cash purchase. They bought everything that they bought that day with a $100 bill. Mm-hmm. Now there would still be record of that sale. They could go, you go to all those Walmarts and you say, okay, I need to see surveillance of who bought this. There's a chance you even pick up the person's license plate in one of the su- surveillance cameras in the parking lot.
1: Well, and the, I wouldn't, they probably wouldn't know who they're looking for.
2: No, they wouldn't. But you, if you can, if you can get a, uh, a picture of the guy or person's standing at the register at the time that the hammer was paid for.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think what probably tipped them off is, you know, like we said, Wayne looks just like Mark. So, you know what Mark looks like. So all of a sudden, (laughs) let's say you go to that Walmart and you're looking through video footage and all of a sudden you see a guy the day, uh, you know, the day before the murder takes or before they found the body, you see a guy buying a hammer that looks just like the lady's husband. Mm Hmm then you go, oh, shit, but that's not the lady's husband. Well, who's this guy? So I don't know. Where, where do you lean? What's your gut feeling telling you about this case?
2: Well, I want to point out here, Captain, that earlier I was not trying to make a strong argument for why Mark Seavers might be innocent by bringing up his mother. But I wanted to kind of put you in, the shoe, in my shoes where I was trying to figure out where this thing would go. Because what we're going to have here and what we're going to see once it finally gets to trial is you're going to have Wainwright saying, I was hired by Mark Seavers to kill his wife. You're going to have Mark Seavers coming forward with the defense saying, I had nothing to do with this. Wainwright is a crazy bastard and he killed my wife and then later tried to blame it on me. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have two very conflicting stories. And I was wondering where I could find things that would make me question who was involved and who was not involved. And I will state again, I do believe that, Bonnie Seavers is a bit of a loose end for Mark being involved in this. Now, here's the thing. What I mean by that is what if these killers decide to kill your mother? That's not who you hired them to kill. However, if Mark Sievers is just a complete horrible dude, psychopath guy, maybe he doesn't care if his mom happens to get attacked or something happens during the course of them carrying out this quote unquote mission. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, and you're right, they wouldn't have to necessarily kill Bonnie Seavers, but that's out of your hands once you put them those men inside your home and your potential mom inside the home at the same time.
1: Well, obviously the, you're a piece of shit if you're hiring some guy to come in, kill your wife, and, she, and it's not just your wife, it's the mother of your two children.
2: Well, yes, obviously, obviously, but I still think that the mother is a... A bit of a loose end. Yeah, they don't have to kill her, but guess what? The the plan, what they were hired to do, that's off now. You can't bump into Bonnie Seavers, and then later that night, Teresa Seavers is murdered in her home, and that's that's not easy to put piece, piece together, right?
1: Right, but I, I think they have more here. I mean, they were able to uh, take death penalty off the table, and I don't think law enforcement or the prosecutors would have done that if, if Wayne wasn't able to give... Them Mark on a silver platter. And with this loose evidence that we have, that's not enough to arrest Mark. So they had to be something else to even just get that arrest.
2: Well, and then I have to, then I have to question Wainwright's story, right? Okay. So why would his story be right when I, when I'm saying that there's this loose end for Mark's story? So the loose end for Wainwright's story is Jimmy Rogers. Mm-hmm. You have this violent guy that you're bringing down there with you and if the story goes as it goes, that, that you're hired to commit murder, he's there for the sole purpose to make sure that this murder happened because it appears that if they were hired for murder, that Wainwright was not comfortable doing it by himself.
1: Yeah, he might not have thought he could. Exactly. Because, I mean, he but, he's but why, friends with Mark, so he could have been friends with Teresa. And- but
2: why would Wainwright be... or I'm sorry, why would Jimmy Rogers be a loose end for Wainwright? Well, the problem here is... If you don't get paid to carry out your task, remember they are supposed to get paid from insurance money. Insurance money only gets paid upon someone's death. So that means that you bring this guy down there with you, you kill somebody. And if you're not getting that money from Mark, you have no way to pay Jimmy the hammer Rogers who could in turn later kill you for being upset that he didn't get paid $10,000 for going down there and helping you. So that's the loose end for Wainwright. That's the part he's not going to be able to explain away. Until you get to this, there was $40,000 in a safe in that household. That it was, it, it was not take the, the money was not taken from the home. The strange thing I find about their actions that day was they showed up at the home at 6 a.m. They left the home and went to Walmart to purchase what we believe items to kill Teresa Seavers with and to clean up with afterwards. Mm-hmm. One of the items that they purchased during that, visit was a lockpick set. Why would they show up? Why would they need a lockpick set when we know that they probably entered through using the code through the garage door and then entered the home and typed in the security code? They don't even need a key to the house, let alone a lockpick set to break into the home. Mm -hmm. So then I got to wondering, is there a chance that Wainwright knew that they had a safe in the home with $40,000 in it? And if he did, does he hire this punk Jimmy Rogers to ride shotgun with him? Go down. He knows maybe he assumes all four family members are going to be gone until the following day, that he wouldn't encounter anybody, would not have to kill anybody, that he went down there behind his friend's back just to steal $40,000 from this house. He gets to the house. Why would they show up to the house first and then leave and then come back? That's strange too. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, okay, you know, A lot of us know our friends pretty well. There's some people that I'm sure go, you know what? He's told me time and time again, there's $40,000 in the safe. And I know he keeps the keys on his desk. You show up at 6 a.m. You get to the desk. There's no keys there. Now you need a lock pick set. So I wondered if he went back in one of the purchases being the lock pick set to pick the lock to the safe to rob the safe And leave there, not intending to kill anybody.
1: No, they intended to kill people. They bought a hammer. They bought rubber boots. They bought trash bags.
2: I understand. I understand. I'm just kind of walking through this thing. You're sitting landmines along my road here. Yeah. But they they show back up to the house. Teresa stumbles upon their little breaking and entering situation. Mm -hmm. They freak out and kill her. That could be an argument for Wainwright. There's the another issue here, though. When, when you start pulling through all these things of why and who could be involved and who could be innocent, the other problem is, though, why did they have $40,000 in the house to begin with? We've heard time and time again they were living paycheck to paycheck. Mark was in charge of the finances. It doesn't seem likely to me that a, that a family living paycheck to paycheck would choose to have $40,000 sitting inside their home.
1: Maybe she didn't know about the money though.
2: That's what I'm getting at. And that's what I think Mark's going to have a big problem explaining when he gets to trial is that why was that $40,000 in the house? Was that $40,000 want a, a down payment to these guys that are going to show up and kill your wife and B, were they supposed to break into that safe or pick the lock to make it look like it was a burglary? Mm-hmm. that wouldn't be traced back to mark or any of his friends exactly and i think you're right on something one thing you're you're incredibly right about here captain and i and i hope you're right because i share the same suspicion i think we are not hearing about potentially a mountain of evidence against mark sievers it's going to be so interesting when this thing finally gets to court what evidence ends up coming out and how much of it is not produced just based off of what Wainwright says.
1: Right. And so somebody is a horrible piece of shit. It's either a group of two or a group of three and hopefully law enforcement gets to the bottom of this and the real victims other than Teresa are the children because they lost not only their mother, but now they lost their father. All right, I still cannot tell you beautiful people about our announcement, so we're but we're getting closer. Yes, we are so and we're not doing this just to tease people.
2: Captain likes to tease.
1: I do like to tease I think so. Poke people's stomachs, pull their ears, wet willies.
2: Should we remind them one more time about the crime con? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a- coming up it's It's going to be in May. The first weekend of May. And if you want tickets to CrimeCon, we were there last year. The We had a great time meeting everybody. Nick was everybody. there for one event. <laughs> I was there for half a day, but I'm going to be there for the entirety of the event. This we
1: year. Yeah, we signed a contract that will be there for the whole time. Now, what it is, is a bunch of people hanging out. There's a bunch of activities. There's a bunch of events. Go to CrimeCon.com and look at those events. And then also, we'll be there. There's uh, going to be a bunch of podcasts. Uh, we hung out with Generation Y last year. We hung out with, uh, I think this year, we're going to have Mike from Sword and Scale. will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's loaded. A bunch of other people up and vanished. We got to hang out with Payne Lindsay last year. Had some drinks with him. Uh, we had drinks with Bob Ruff with Truth and Justice. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're going to be drinking the whole time. And then what we did last year, what I did last year, was we would just hang out at the hotel bar and drink. Hotel, motel, holiday inn and we just get hammered at night. So it's a it's a great time. I think you can buy weekend packages now, but when you do so, um, go, use our promo code TCgarage. That's TCgarage at and that will be at crimecon.com.
2: Thank you, Captain, and once again, I got so angry, I damn near lost my voice. So I have a whole week to recuperate.
1: What's hard being wrong.
2: <laughs> Until next time, everybody be good, be kind, and don't litter.